Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning. This is Tom Hayes, and it's Wednesday, September 2, 2015. What? Sometimes you meet somebody. Just there we go. Just, uh, no music. Uh, get the yeah. morning going. Uh, that's a little song called Back to the Sugar Shack, which is another show that I do. Uh, if you do get a chance to tune in. I've reconnected with the owner of a great club in Boston called the Sugar Shack, which was operated for 10 years between the 60s and 70s. But today, we are going to talk about comedy and cooking because we have Dennis Worth from, is it Lemonster? You're, you're uh, living right now, Dennis? Uh, I live in Gardner right now, the TV show we're doing out of Lemonster, though. Oh, okay, so uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, Thomas. I'm, I'm, I'm oh. happy to be here. Oh, great. Now, that's quite a combination. Comedy and cooking are, uh, and uh, I didn't know, is there something inherently humorous or fun? Well, we know that cooking's fun. I mean, you when I was on your show, it was a lot of fun. You have a great show. Uh, you've Thank had some you. great, great guests on there. I think it's a fantastic uh, concept. But, uh, you know, what I always like to do with my guests is ask them, how did you get here? Because I find that course that life has an interesting course and path. I happen to believe that it's uh, pretty predestined. Uh, we're going to end up where we end up because a lot of times we don't even plan to end up where we do end up, but we get there anyway. So how did this all sure. begin for you? How did comedy and cooking come together? Uh, well, I've worked in the restaurant industry for about 30 years now, and uh, they, they started doing the stand-up comedy. And I was a guest on a lot of local television shows. I had an opportunity to do one of my own, so I said, well, I'll combine the two things, you know, that I do in life, the the cooking and the comedy. And I got a lot of compliments. You know, a lot of people do cooking shows. A lot of people have done comedy shows. I'm the first one anybody's known of that's combining the two, so it's a, it's a fun little thing. And uh, it's it really taken off since I started it. I, when I started it, I'd ask my friends, you know, in comedy, hey, can you do me a favor, come on the show? Now I'm getting more requests to be on the show than I can possibly get on so uh my two favorite things in life i love comedy i love to eat so they say if you do what you love to do in life you never work a day so i'm having fun that's exactly the truth so well you know years ago i was uh when i was on the road and i was a salesman it was always great being out and meeting people and i walked into a very in a place in newton corner i think it was a fantastic little one of those gourmet places you know that made uh, gourmet dinners to go for the all the working stiffs who came home on the train or by car and didn't want to cook. And this place was just phenomenal in his approach, very original, very creative. And I talked to the owner, and he said, uh, this is all I wanted to do. He says, when I was five years old, he says, I didn't ask for a train set. I didn't ask for a bicycle. I wanted that, one of those easy-bake ovens. He says, no, he, that's what he told me. He told his parents he didn't want the easy bake. He wanted the real oven. <laughs> Why not? Going to go big or go home, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it was because he he knew at that early age that he wanted to be a chef. So when did it start for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, since my mom was an excellent cook. I mean, it, it just some of the stuff she made, you just you look forward to mealtime at my house. So uh, 
not, not that I helped her cook, but I always enjoyed her meals. And, you know, once you get started in a restaurant and doing it yourself, then you want to see how far you can take it. You try, you make one dish that's good. How can I improve on it? You try another recipe. How can I improve on it? And it's uh, it's a fun little hobby if you like to eat, that's sure. Yeah, so <clears throat> at what point did you decide that you didn't just want to observe and consume, but that you thought you might create? Did you do that at the house? Well, yeah, you know, watching a lot of cooking shows, I love, you know, that's why you watch them, because you think it's nothing you can do, you know. But, I mean, when I got a job right out of high school in a restaurant, and, you know, they, they teach you, and it's like, you know, well, this isn't as hard as it actually looks, you know, to do. And uh, it's, it's a lot of simple recipes out there. We're doing on the comedy kitchen and stuff you can do right in your own home, with, you know, without much effort, and they're really great dishes we're putting out. We made some yeah, you know, I, we did. time when I had you on. Yeah, I, I've cooked that uh, dish, uh, I don't know, six or seven times since then. That was the tacos with the uh, the uh, chicken. <clears throat> That's right. Yeah. What, what's, what's the actual name of What's the name of the dish? We had the we made the chicken quesadillas. Chicken quesadillas. That was beautiful. I mean, it's just a few simple uh, combination of some you know common spices and uh, pretty fast. Uh, you know, I learned a few things of why you use a combination of oil and uh, and butter, and you explained how you know well, you want this one tastes. Uh, you also yeah. explained how you uh, if you want to cook internally, you cover the pan as opposed to just letting it uh, fry with a, without a cover. So I've, I've picked yeah, up... Yeah, we, we live in a world where everybody gets the fast food now, you know, and they, by the time you, you wait at the drive-thru to get the fast food, you could cook your own dish, and it's much healthier, just as easy. Right, so now, here's, again, I'm going to dig a little deep, because I always want to know the answers why, you know, and how. <clears throat> so... Why did you apply? We get out of high school, you go to work in a restaurant. Why did you choose? You could have chosen a million different fields. Uh, well, it wasn't so much that I chose it. It was uh, I was looking for a job. Some of my friends worked in a restaurant. They said they could get me a job. I started doing it. Found out I enjoyed it and been doing it ever since. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, I, I kind of, like I, you know, I, I'm saying I, well, well, we'll talk about, we'll marry this with the comedy in a minute. But now, what uh, what heritage, what nationality was your mother? French. Ah, okay. Uh-huh. Right, and I think I I met your mom at the show, right? Yes, you did, yeah. Love Yeah, mom. that's right. And so, uh, French-Canadian? Uh, what? Yeah, French-Canadian, yeah. And okay. a good and cook, so- as most French are. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'll never forget being in uh, a trip to Europe when I was in my early 20s. And we uh, drove out of Paris. Uh, we had spent a week in Paris, and I was just blown away. We had, we had spent a week in London, and then we flew to Paris, and I, I couldn't believe the difference because the, the British are not what you call uh, noted for their culinary arts. Uh, <laughs> oh boy i mean other than the english pubs great pubs great beer but uh you know you don't see you don't have the, Ita- the english section of boston as as compared with the italian section of boston uh where all of the oh, english yeah. where all of the english restaurants are that just doesn't really happen nor do you see there's again a lot of irish bars but not a lot of irish restaurants because somehow 
find taste for food escaped both those islands. Yeah, you got to know where to go in Boston to get the good food, you know. But uh, so, sometimes in life, uh, things find you. You don't find them. I, I didn't go looking to, to get into cooking. I kind of cooking found Right. Me. Exactly, and that's kind of the point I want to make. So you kind of met with your destiny, and uh, obviously it hit uh, the nerve where you have this, uh, you know, desire to cook, and hence you have been there for 30 years. So what do you right. do okay, now? Well, i got the bigger desire to eat. I love to eat. So <laughs> I, I like to cook, but I really love to eat. That's the whole Unbelievable. Thing. It really it is so hard. You know, I'm trying to... Uh, trimmed down a little bit myself, and it's so hard when you really cook something really fantastic, it's hard not to really jump in and just keep tasting. Oh, yeah, that's the funnest part, yeah, when you get to the, the <laughs> cooking part, so that's, that's the most fun. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so what's your opinion on what makes a great chef? Uh, well, you got to love to eat, that's for sure, and... Uh, well, like anything else, uh, it takes it takes years of training. You know, you you start out in good, but I mean, if you can learn from a great chef, they've been down the road. You already want to go, so it's more learning from the people ahead of you and and then stay in the path and uh, educating yourself as to what to do and what not to do. You know, I want to right now plug. Uh, if anybody's listening out there, we put up a poster and. A lot of times what's going to happen, we, you know, at this time of the morning, people going to work, et cetera, we don't get a lot of live listeners, but we do get a lot of great uh, listeners in our podcast. But if you're there and you would like to talk to Dennis, it's 646-929-2451. Again, that's 646-929-2451. would love to hear from you. So, um, so what now... Are you the actual chef where you work now? Well, why don't you, can you plug the restaurant you work in? Sure, I work at uh, Jade 2 in Leicester, Massachusetts. We got uh, Asian Cantonese food there. And, uh, yeah, I, I manage a restaurant. Some days I work the front, some days I cook, some days I, I do whatever needs to be done to make sure the restaurant gets run. But we got some right. How long have you been there? there? I've been there for 20 years. Oh, all right. Now that's... Is, that's kind of a juxtaposition, isn't it? A Caucasian and a Chinese cooking and Chinese food. Uh, well, uh, they're, they're not uh, on their connection to the American public. They don't speak much English, although, but they like to make money like anybody. So as long as I'm making them money, they pretty much let me do what I want. So that's good. <laughs> good. Now, uh, was it tough to switch to Cantonese or uh, Sichuan cooking? Uh, well, I worked in the pizza industry for 10 years before that, and there wasn't much I couldn't do with a, with a pizza. I mean, I could pretty much – I wanted to challenge myself, you know, a little more than than that realm. So I, I look forward to the challenge. I started it out, and it's been an adventure every day. It still is. All right. How many items have you got on the menu there? Uh, well, we got over uh, 40 dishes, and then we have your uh, specialty items, too. Uh, really big in the seafood. If you like seafood, come check us out because we got some great seafood in there. Uh, we got all your standard uh, dishes you'd expect at a Chinese food restaurant. and uh, But, yeah, the seafood's where we really pop. That's what you want to try if you, if you come out. Okay, so what's the, the most popular seafood dish? Uh, if you get the seafood platter, you're going to get a little bit of everything in there, a little lobster, scallop, shrimp. I mean, the whole mixed in with some vegetables, some great sauces. Uh, yeah, so check that out. Uh, come in and see great. me. Just come in. I mean, I'll tell you a joke if you show up sometime. There you go. 
So and it's uh, it's prepared. Each plate is prepared uh, individually, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah, fresh. Yeah, we got an open kitchen. You can watch us cook right there on the walk, and uh, the walk's instant heat, so you're getting a great dish in a short amount of time. So you can watch us cook it up from scratch for you. It's nothing pre-made. We got it all right from scratch. We make it fresh for you. I got a great. That's a great segue to a little comedy here. I got a great uh, walk story. Uh, One of the greatest. Greatest uh, buskers, uh, street performers in the world is a guy named Gazzo, G-A-Z-Z-O. He originally hears from from uh, London, but Gazzo has written books, has been written about in books. He's a brilliantly funny man, uh, especially with his uh, his British accent, and he's uh, got a Cockney accent. He's rude. He's crude. I first ran into him down at, I think... Uh, at King Richard's Fair, which happens every time, every year, this time of year. And, uh, you know, it's great for its jousting and for magicians and jugglers, et cetera. Yeah, all of the entertainment arts. And so we became great friends. In fact, I tried to get him into the Boston comedy scene, which he did well with for a few years. And uh, so at one point, we started talking about cooking, and he said, Tom, you've got to get a walk. And uh, he explained that, you know, with a walk, just as you say, you can cook very quickly. Uh, you get different. Uh, yeah, the heat. And one of the things that I've learned, I still use, am I right or wrong in this? Um, to spare the oil for, the, for a couple of reasons, the expense of the oil was one of the reasons that the walk was conceived, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you because read, you only use you a little amount, too, right? So. Yeah, it only takes a little bit of a pound just so it doesn't stick to the pan where in uh, something else you need a lot of oil. But uh, basically it's the quickness of the dish. I mean, uh, a dish like that, you know, if you tried to cook it on your stovetop, it would take you a half hour. We're on a walk. It's just instant heat. You're talking about a, you're turning a 30-minute project into a 5- or 10-minute project at most. So if you're looking right. for a speed, that's the way to go. And there's a pattern to what you put in. I mean, the, the tougher to cook vegetables, what, go in first? Is that it? Uh, yeah, well, you're going to get a little uh, steam on them. You want to steam your vegetables first, and like you said, with the oil, you want to cook up your uh, meat and your oil. Then uh, you put them together in the wok and uh, put a little bit of sauce, and you're good to go. All right. Now, what he enlightened me to was dropping water in as the wok got really hot, and that would really flare up that heat. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, instant heat, so, you know, where, where you take uh, 20 minutes to boil some water on your stove, I mean, the walk instant heat, so you're instantly heating up that water, which is instantly heating up the food, and you start adding a little bit of flavor in there. It's really popping together. and, and Yeah, well, this uh, would happen it, like, yeah. like about five minutes into getting, you know, you've put the oil in, you've got the thing, the heat really roaring there, and then once, once I, he would just tell me, now's the time to, pour in just a tad amount of water, and, man, would that flare up. Yeah, yeah, flare it up and uh, pulls out all the flavors in the food, too. Interesting. uh, The the, the instant heat, you call it. You're heating up the flavors and getting them to just come out instantly. So So is that your preferred way to cook? (laughs) Is it your preferred way to cook now with with a wok or...? Uh, yeah, in the restaurant, yeah, it's so much more convenient. I mean, nobody's really gonna put a walk in their home, you know. So, uh, if if you if you if you have it available at you, it's it's definitely the way to go. Yeah. 
Interesting. Now, pulls out the flavor, yeah. So at one point, I, you know, I went over and I went out and bought a walk and was using it all the time. And uh, I went to see him perform. He was fabulous at close-up magic, and he was working at a bar in uh, town. And uh, so I went in to visit him and saw him. And uh, now, because people can't see, but it's very obvious when I walk, I walk with a, a limp because I have an artificial leg. And uh, so, we, I, you know, we had a nice visit. I'm going out the door, and he looks at me, and he, because he's such a wise guy, and you never know what's going to come. He looks at me and says, Tom, how's the walk coming? And I think <laughs> he's breaking my chops. So I look at him, and I quip back, you know, you, you know, and I use an epithet, and uh, we laugh about it, and I walk away. I get halfway down the street, <laughs> and I realize, and he looked at me when I swore at him, like, you know, why did I deserve that? You know, I'm asking the guy how his cooking's coming, and I think he's asking me, if my walking has improved after 20 years of being on a prosthesis. So I went back to He's the a comedian. Yeah, and I told him, I said, uh, sorry about that. I thought you were talking about my limp. <laughs> oh, misunderstanding. <laughs> That's a so, so, uh, you could work that into a joke somehow. Yeah, well, it was it was quite humorous. It, it, like I said, I got halfway to my car and turned around. Oh, you idiot! He was talking about cooking, not about my walk. <laughs> Two different walks. So, now, when did the comedy part of uh, your life happen? Were you funny as a kid? Did you like uh, uh, cartoons? Did you w- w- did you like uh, comedians, movies? Uh-huh. Yeah, I love watching stand-up comedy. When I, you know, when I was younger too, we didn't have you know cable television or nothing like that. You actually had to get up and change the channel. I mean, it was it was rare you got to see a stand-up comedian on television. And when uh, I remember Star Search back then, Arsenio Hall, I was actually on Star Search before he got big, and I watched him and I loved it. Then when I got to the point we got Comedy Central, I, I could sit home for a weekend and just uh, watch marathons of stand-up comedy. Who doesn't like to laugh in life? You know, life's a tough game if you can add some laughter into it, it's fun, and I always had that itch to try it, but I never knew how to get started, it ain't like you put on an application or something, and I just thought as a kid, when I heard about comedy, I should check it out, never knew how to start, then one day I got a, in my mail, a pamphlet from the local college that introduction to stand-up comedy was a night course, I said, well, I'll check out the class, and I, I never thought it had amount enough, and I'll say, you know, I'll do the class, just say, okay, I tried it, look back and chuckle, uh, had the class, the teacher really helped me out, and one thing led to another, and I've been going ever since, and I'm having the time of my life doing it. Well, there we go. I mean, again, I don't want to impose my beliefs, but uh, <laughs> that little story confirms it. Uh, in the mail comes an invitation, something that you kind of, you knew you liked, you know, they think, but never thought that you might do it, and yet right in front of your face, boom. You know, knocking on the door. It's meant to happen, yeah, destiny, right there. Exactly, exactly. So, now that you have the show, and I love actually being the show for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's it's a great place to, uh, I, I, you know, I actually had the idea myself a while back, but my plate is certainly full with all of the projects I've gone. But I, I, I knew the concept would be a great one, because if you look at most uh, cooking shows, I mean, it's great, but, you know, even if you've, they've got a celebrity on, you know, they're trying to be funny, but they're not. 
Yeah, it's a, it takes a knack in comedy, and I mean, certainly it's a profession like anything else. I, I you, we've had some really funny comics, including yourself, on, and you get two comedians in a room, and you know what happens. I mean, something funny is about to happen eventually. So, well, especially uh, yeah, yeah, because you you you've you've got right on the table, you've got a a, a funny situation. You you're cooking things, things could go wrong. Things are, you know, the, the ingredients. I know that you know. Uh, handling chicken, uh, raw chicken at uh, nine o'clock in the morning, you know, before I had breakfast, was not, you know, <laughs> pretty funny for me. You know, <laughs> the feel, et cetera, uh, led to some things. You know, and then of course I played with some of the tacos. They became yamakas and things, and uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, I think it's. You know, it's a situation, a comedic situation that uh, if you've got the right ingredients of of uh, comedians can really be kind of fun. Yeah, it's uh, we're up there in a television studio, so, uh, you know, I have what's accessible in a television studio. If I called up some comedians and said, hey, come to my house and cook on my stove, they'd probably laugh at me. But the lure of in a television studio is getting up there, but... Uh, I'm limited to what I can do in there unless I want to put a full kitchen, you know, inside the television studio. But that's why I said we'll do some quick, simple dishes. Nobody's got to be scared to watch the comedy kitchen that they couldn't do that in their own home. A lot of these cooking shows you tune in and be like, well, i got to watch this on TV. It's nothing I could do on my own home. You know, the dishes I'm doing, it's step-by-step. It's easy. It's stuff you could do right on your stovetop. So you're getting the best of both worlds. You're going to get a, a comedy from a comedian. You're going to learn how to make a great dish. And everybody loves to laugh. Everybody loves to eat. Everybody loves to cook after you watch my show. And, uh, yeah, the show's starting to take off. Uh, I had Steve Sweeney, the king of Boston comedy. He was nice enough to come on. So once he walked through the door, how could anybody else say no? Uh, since then, I've had uh, Tom Cotter and Carrie Louise. Tom took second place on America's Got Talent. And uh, Carrie Louise, she was on the Oprah Winfrey show, has a long list of credits. So, the guests that are, want to come on are starting to get bigger, and uh, we actually got uh, Jimmy J.J. Walker is going to be a guest in October, and uh, we also we got uh, we're doing a Halloween episode. We got Shannon Silva from Ghost Hunters is coming on, so we got a lot coming up. It should be fun. Really good, really good. I love success, and you know, isn't it true that uh, if you just stay with it and if you love it, uh, things start to happen. Yeah, stay the course. You know, you're going to have your ups and downs like everything, but you can't get depressed with the downs. Like, I, I, I try to make it into a challenge. Well, if something don't work, then it's a challenge to make it work. And uh, the longer you do it, uh, hopefully, eventually, something uh, catches on, and it's starting to go pretty good, yeah. All right, so now you're at home. You've got uh, the day off, and you want to make something special, whether for you or a guest or even alone. Let's say alone, because a lot of people live alone today. So what do you do if you've got the time? What's your favorite dish? Uh, well, I get a lot of the seafood at work, so if I'm at home, I'm, I'm a big uh, I'm a meat guy. I like your steaks, your uh, ribs, uh, some some pork. Uh, just I'm, I'm big on the uh, the meat stuff. I really want to treat myself. Uh, we got a state park across the street. I go over there and we fire up the uh, the grill over there in the open air, and I really cook up a good barbecue. Something to be a treat for me. That's great. Okay, now, you, you've worked all day, you're, you're tired, you're, you haven't eaten at the restaurant, and you want something quick to eat, what What do you do then? What's your favorite dish? Uh, yeah, quick dish, maybe something, uh, some chicken or something. It's a chicken, chicken on the stovetop, like some vegetables. Uh, 
The problem is with liking to eat, as you've seen, I'm a pretty big guy. So, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to explore the healthy dishes now. So a little bit of chicken and vegetables, five, ten minutes. It's a quick uh, snack. It's healthy, and it's some good eating. So. Yeah, and uh, I just did some lemon artichoke chicken the other night, which it was just uh, quick and fun, like you said. And then it was so good I had to have it the second night. Uh, okay. So, I mean, is there a special... Yeah, you know, like marsala. What do you what do you when you do chicken? Is it, the kung, kung pao chicken. I'm a big fan of kung pao chicken. Uh, the cashew chicken. That's a little bit uh, less spicy than the kung pao chicken, but uh, okay. Yeah, so a how do you pepper chicken's good? Yeah, how would you tell like our listeners to make uh, the cashew chicken? Cashew chicken. You want some? Uh, it's uh, any mixture of vegetables that you like. Uh, usually celery is a big one in there. If you don't like celery, you can use broccoli or whatnot. Uh, we get a little bit of a sweet kung pao sauce. You can make that up. Throw it in a uh, boil up some chicken. Throw in your vegetables. Add a little bit of your sweet sauce, a little soy sauce in there. Maybe some sesame oil. You're gonna want a thickener. You got a little bit of flour or cornstarch. You want to throw in there to get your sauce a little bit thick. And uh, just a light oil. You don't want too much oil to make it oily. But um, it's a simple dish. You have five, ten minutes on your stove top. It's it's better than going to your fast food restaurant and uh, getting something that'll make you not live so long. I can tell you that much. So that's that's the kung pao, or is that the cashew? Uh, that's the cashew. The, well, just the difference between cashew and kung pao is the spices. So I mean, if you want some hot oil or something, throw that in with the kung pao. If you want the cashew, it's just a less. It's not. Just don't add the hot oil. Whether you okay. like spicy or not. Great, sounds good. Let me uh, may look that up. On of course, the beautiful thing about today is that you want a specific dish. Not only can you go see the recipe, but you can just click a button and watch somebody cook it. Oh yeah, it's endless what's out there. You could live the rest of your life and not eat the same dish twice if you tried. There's, there's so many dishes out there to try, and half the fun is trying something new that you never tried before. And wow, this is delicious! I've never had. I can't believe I've never tried this. So it's a big well, exploration of food. <laughs> Well, like we're going to segue into a part that we talked about a little bit earlier, maybe not as funny or as uh, enticing as cooking, but uh, it's, a, it's a perfect segue because the trouble with today is that uh, there's a problem. A lot of people don't know how to cook. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the world we live in. It's a fast-paced world. Everybody's on the go, and we're working so many hours in this country as a society that you don't have time. People don't take the time out to enjoy stuff in life like actually cooking food. They've made it fast foods made things so convenient that you don't have to cook anything. You know, I'll go hit the local donut shop in the morning much quicker than, you know, taking the five, ten minutes to cook a healthy dish. I'll hit the fast food joint for lunch because I don't have time to, you know, come home from work and cook something up. But you're messing out. Basically, if they do cook, it's on the weekends mostly. It's not something we do on a daily basis where you know, back in the olden days, you'd cook every single day. You'd sit down with your family for a meal. Right. And, you know, okay, now let's talk about the time element. They they won't take the time to cook, but yet when you start talking to people, uh, you know, how many hours did they spend looking at their computer on Facebook, you know, posting pictures of their kitten? <laughs> yeah. Not to be judgmental, but they do... They do find time for less less uh, connecting, let's say, uh, more wholesome, uh, healthy, um, um, you know, emotional. Uh, because when 
what I find, and maybe I want you to talk about this from this ex- your experience. You know, I'm, we're all busy, and so whatever. I work a lot out of the house here, and I'm you know working on my project, and uh, you know I'm doing the radio shows. I'm uh, creating a lot of content. So, I'm, and uh, a lot of times that'll I'll be alone. And, uh, you know, and all of that takes its toll, especially spending a lot of time on the computer. And I find that once I begin to cook, uh, why don't you talk about that experience once you actually start cooking? What, what do you physiologically, emotionally, what do you feel? Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's what you're in the mood for. And uh, it's like I said, once you get a recipe for something, you try it, then you think, you know, I'll make this just a little bit better. Then you want to add your own little touch to it. And, you want to try that, and see, it's what's pushed on you, you know. Unfortunately, society pushes fast food. you got commercials, the Internet, try that. we got mega deal coupon, this. Uh, you know, you, they, they don't push cooking in your own home on you. And, you know, I try to stress that on the show is that, you know, by the time you hit the local fast food joint, you wait in line, you know, and you get out of there, and that same time it took you to drive down there and wait in line, you, you could cook something much quicker right in your own home. And it's a lot more tasty and uh it's a lot more thrill instead of eating the same thing every morning. You can cook up a different dish every day of the week for yourself instead of I'll go down to the local donut shop and get my usual. You know? I mean, it's a lot more fun to explore. And the people are afraid. They think, oh, cooking is such a big project. It's a easy. It's a really easy thing to do. You know, once you get started, it's like you just got to get over that fear of trying it. Well, and that's it. It's the fear of trying, and it's getting started. You know, I. Uh, I, I can talk myself out of exercise in, in uh, the most creative ways it be, it, because once I say to myself, well, you know, I've got to put a half hour, and if I'm focused on something else, I'm saying, well, I don't want to take the half hour away. I'd rather be doing what I'm doing. But I learned that if I trick myself, and that trick is to say, well, I'll go for a five-minute bike ride. And once I'm on the bike in five minutes, I'm having so much fun that it does turn into a half an hour at least or maybe even an hour. And the same thing with cooking. The, the tough part is getting over that fear and getting up, taking the pan, you know, lighting it up, looking in the fridge to see what vegetables are there or what meat or whatever. And uh, today, I mean, who needs a cookbook? I mean, I used to have tons of cookbooks, but you just get a hankering for some kind of chicken dish. You go to all recipes or the Food Network, and there's an endless, infinite number of the information's at your fingertips, that's for sure, if you want it. And, you know, yeah, and you, again, you, you, you go grab a coffee and donut. I mean, how long would it take you to cook up an egg? You know, an egg, a couple pieces of toast. I mean, how simple yeah. is that? Exactly. So well, you don't want to do at it the, at, at the end of the day, uh, you know, the fact that you, like you said, there's a 10 minute uh, chicken and cashew chicken dish, you know, I mean, yeah. with vegetables, everything all in one plate, in one pan. Ten-minute recipe, and it's simple too. It's nothing, nothing you need a degree in cooking to accomplish. You know, it, it's it, it's so worth it at the end. You know, you're so glad a lot of times after you did it. You know, I'm so glad I cooked that. You know, I thought it'd be more work than it was, but it's it's a joy. You know, you have to you have to uh, that's, find the well, joy that's the opposite word. I find that once I go over there, reach inside the fridge, I take the food out of the package, whether it's a steak or a chicken or fish. Or whatever. Once I stop preparing it, immediately, immediately, it shifts the day. It takes me out of that work phase, you know. And then I actually physiologically I can feel a difference in my being 
um, you know, it's different. It's like, oh, wow, food. And then when you light it up and you start putting the food in the pan with, the, like you said, some of the oils and the spices, then the, the other sensations start to work on your being, which is the smells, the taste. It's a sense you know, of you don't get that experience by opening a package. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a sense of accomplishment. You know, when you make it yourself, you're going to appreciate it so much more because you put the time and effort into making it. Is where if you just, you know, go down and grab some some packaged food. All right, I got to eat. All right, we got that done. On to the next thing. There's no no appreciation. You know, if you, if you do yeah, it and, yourself, and, it's gonna... right. And but the, the, you've created a, a gestalt and experience, a zeitgeist, whatever you want to call it. You've created the house transforms, and many times when I've been cooking, people, if I have guests in the come, they go, "Oh my God, it smells so beautiful in here," you know, mm-hmm. and wow, yeah. that's and, and and you've ignited a a, a whole different um, event to the day. Yeah, if you get other people to try your food too, you become, you know, you can get them into cooking. How'd you make that? Well, here's how you make it: make it yourself and. I've had other people who don't like to cook, and like you said, you know, we did the quesadilla, and you've made it a few times yourself. It's it's fun to learn a new recipe. It's fun to eat new food, and after you've done it a few times, it gets addictive. You want to try more. So the the, the thing is, get over the hurdle of trying it, and uh, try, try and again, well, no, we get obesity in this country like crazy. You know, we got to get back to cooking for ourselves, making healthy stuff, and rather than eat yep. what's been pushed on us to healthy food. Exactly. But, you know, again, it becomes more of a, a physical thing. It's not simply taking food, you know, preparing it and putting it inside. It becomes, again, an experience. The day changes. It's a t- wonderful transition from evening into, uh, from day into evening. And so which leads me to my another of my pet peeves that drives me out of my mind. Because <laughs> now when you, did you have siblings growing up? Uh, yeah, I had uh, one sister that I grew up with, yeah. Okay, yeah. and now, uh, did you grow up in a single-parent home, or were both parents there? Or? No, both parents were there, yeah. My daddy, he was off doing his thing. Mom usually cooked the meals. So, you know, back in the day, Mom stayed home and made the meals and ran the house, So, and she was an excellent cook. Okay, and so did you sit down together as a unit, as a family? Yeah, we had our family meals. Oh yeah, every every night it was you know, mom would serve up. We'd sit around the kitchen table. Uh, not much of that in today's society anymore. I wish well, there exactly. was family like, time, and right. and you, you certainly look forward to what was mom was going to cook next for sure. Yeah, one of my pet 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 peeves is the lack of family time. The lack of a, a dinner. I mean, to me, you know, I, you know. Kind of believe in the Socratic method and the, you know, the process of questioning and what it brings out. It's like, why have a family if you're not going to enjoy it? <laughs> yeah, gonna... it's bonding time. Meal time used to be a bonding time for family. You'd sit around, enjoy the dish, and and talk about family stuff. It's it's a thing we're getting away from. We need to get back to. Exactly, and again, we're talking joy. You walk into a house, you know. Again, my parents. Were mothers were home uh, during that time when I grow up as well, and one of the best parts of the day was to run in from school and to see two house dresses in that house. One was my mother, the other was my grandmother, and they were Italian. So it was always exciting. The first words out of my mouth was, "You know, what's for dinner?" 
Yeah, when you, when your kids get older, it's a good way to get them home, you know, and say, hey, do you want to come visit Dad? And, well, I'm busy, busy. Well, I'm making your favorite spare ribs. Oh, you're making spare? Oh, well, maybe I can make some time to come see you. Sure. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a good exactly. lure. If you got some good food, you can get some good company. Well, and again, you know, there's a ceremony to it, isn't there? There's a tradition. There's uh there's a reason that it feels good. You know, you uh, you sit down, you, again, you've got a house full of, uh, you know, uh, um, sensations, you know, from from the smells and the tastes and, and uh, even the look of the food. I mean, that's another part of it, right? The uh, preparation when you put it on the Presentation. Dish. Presentation is very Presentation. Important. Have you seen uh, Chef's Table? Uh, chef's Table. Uh, I don't believe I've got that one yet. No. Oh, brilliantly done. Brilliant. 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 Yeah. And, well, presentation, uh, not only... yeah, you get your mouth water and before you even taste the bite, yeah. I mean, if it looks oh, good, you got to good. And yeah. not only, I mean, cinematographic, cinematographically, it's brilliant. I mean, the, the cinematography is amazing how they, they captured the uh, essence of the of the restaurant itself to um, even the kitchen, but then watching the chefs, the, the chefs today uh, are taking the approach of they, they care where the food comes from, not just a truck. You know, they go to the actual farms in the fields. They establish relationships to, with the growers. Oh, sure, yeah. You get your freshest food, you know. I mean, by the time it gets from the fields to the store, the store to your house, you've taken away some of the taste. You can go down to your local dairy, your local produce, your local farm. You know, you're getting the you know immediate taste that you're losing once it's sat on a shelf for a while. So the fresher, the better. Yeah, that's that's, that's one of the key things in cooking is everything's fresh. Fresh is your best taste in the world. Yeah, and you know, and also, what kind of ingredients go into the production of the uh, of the food? Uh, I remember being in Italy, and what would look like <laughs> just a normal dish, like a uh, an or you know, they they have these amazing uh, tables of hors d'oeuvres, uh, what they call antipasti, you know, before the pasta, and um, in there, you would look at. Just like a, it looked like a grilled zucchini or something. But man, yeah. when you t- when you tasted that zucchini, you were like, "Oh, what is this? I have never tasted such richness, such depth." Um, right you know, off the field, there you go. Yeah, well, and plus they're using you know they're not using artificial uh, fertilizer; they're using manure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You, if you can buy the organic food, it's a little more expensive. Well, actually, it's a lot more expensive, but it's so much more worth it because you're not going to get the pesticides, you know, that you're getting and what they're feeding, you know. Even eggs, you know, if you get the chickens who are fed, you know, the the, the pesticide food and everything like that as opposed to an organic egg. And do the test yourself. Buy some regular eggs and organic eggs, and you'll put them both in a bowl next to each other. You'll never eat regular eggs again because the color, it's such a dull color on a non-organic oh. egg, and you put an organic egg, it's just a dark, dark yellow. You can tell just by looking at a raw egg the quality you're getting. So it's worth yeah, spending a little bit of money. Is, you know as soon as you crack the egg, the, 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 um, the farm-produced, you know, the, the, the mega farm, the, the corporate farm-produced uh, egg, the shell, <laughs> the shell just, it, it just crumbles so easily. Yeah. 
And, and you can hit, actually hit an organic shell a couple of times before it'll crack. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the rigidness of it over a, a jello. Yeah, if, if, you, if you try to crack an egg and it's more like jello than a crack, you know you don't have a good product. You, you want know, a good okay, crack so, on an egg, you know you're getting something good. So, you know, we've touched on a few things, and we're going to really get things going here in a little bit. But first of all, people say, oh, the time, I don't have the time. Uh, and then you find out, well, yeah, but they'll make the time to, uh, to you know, to play a video, play Candy Crush. I get these invitations. <laughs> so and so's invited me to play Candy. I'm like, are you serious? You have time for that? Yeah, you didn't right, have time so. for dinner. You didn't, you know, yeah. you didn't sit down with your kids. You didn't sit down with yourself and take that healing time. That really, I mean, folks, this stuff becomes you. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. You're putting it. Eating experience. It's a, it's a family experience, sure. Yeah, you're putting this stuff in you. It doesn't somehow pass through the portals of your throat into your stomach and become changed and become all of a sudden good. If it's junk, it's junk. Remember you know, the old saying when we were kids, you are what you eat. Remember that? Exactly. It's the whole truth today. You are what you eat. Exactly. So people will say, I don't have the time. Yet they find the time to spend, you know, texting and whatever. Okay, fine. Everybody's got their own thing, but you know, there's obviously a lot of consciousness in it. But let's talk about the difference between the price of normal eggs and the price of organic. You're going to spend 2 or $3 more, right? Yeah, yeah. Three more. But it's, okay. it's worth it. It's worth a little extra. Yeah, t- divided by... 12 eggs. <laughs> right. It's a few cents an egg, right? A few, 20 cents an egg. Yet, now here's the part I love. People will tell you how expensive their, their whatever is, their phone bill, this and that. And yet, yet, they, they think nothing of $10 a day, at least on a Starbucks coffees or even, you know, that, oh, no, no, we can't talk about that. Yet, when you start multiplying that times the 30 days, it far exceeds. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'll eat the junk food so that I can afford my smartphone, you know. So yeah. I'll sacrifice <laughs> my health so I can get a really good phone to use, you know. Uh, yeah, but again. We've uh, lost oh, our priorities, uh, uh, sure. You know, you, you look at somebody and go, well, wait a minute. You just complained about your, your, your but you just spent five bucks on a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah, yeah but I need the coffee, yeah, but that's that's just the first one. I know you'll be here three oh. times today. You can you know, cook healthy for half the prices, yeah, going out for some fast food, yeah. Prices going up and up. So we have a society, we talked a little bit about this, and why not really fire things up, so to speak? You're a chef, and that's what chefs do. They Oh, wait a minute. Hook it up. Hey, 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 hold on. We've got somebody. I missed this. All right. We'll get involved in. Got a caller, 603-809. Who are you? Amy. Hi there. Hello. Amy. <laughs> Amy hey, is nice one of my, you on the show. my number one fan, Tom. Fantastic. How are you, Amy? Yes, I am. Fine. And you? Ooh, it's great now that we have a caller. What do you want to talk about? Ah. <laughs> um, gee, Dennis, just put me on the spot. Well, well, what do you think Amy, of the show so the far? Are we doing a good job? You are doing a great job. The right. comedy do you agree Amy with is awesome. I watch every single one. <laughs> Go ahead, Dennis. Say it again. 
I say Amy has uh, seen every episode of the Comedy Kitchen. Oh, fantastic! Tell us what you like about it, Amy. Oh God, he he's funny, and it's like the food's going to taste great. So you're really interested in how to make it properly. But mostly they're funny. They just are. They make this big game out of it, and it's enjoyable to watch. Great. Now, do you actually make the the dinners that are made on the show? Um, my daughter, Cassandra, made one of them. She's 16, Great. and she loves Dennis also. And what did she make? What was the dish she selected? Oh, it was one of the chicken ones. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, you know, I have a daughter, Cassandra. It's a very unusual name, and it's a beautiful name. I think so, too. Yeah, why did you select it? Um, actually, it was a combination of trying to name my daughter after her father's seven sisters <laughs> and get all of their names in her name. <laughs> Great, all right. <laughs> well, she does, unless she we, has we, the we got some name good comedy ever. here. <laughs> great, great, great. So now, do you, we've been talking about the fact that people don't cook. Now, has the show? Did, were you? Did you like to cook before? Did you, did you cook in the house before, or has the show oh, helped yeah. you to make that transition? Um, I love to cook, but I'm, I'm mainly a baker, so. I'm not really the dinner-type cook. I bake, and I love baking, all sorts of things. But cooking dinner, that helps a little because you get a little bored of chicken. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, what it's the idea aspect. Right. So do you find yourself cooking more now that uh, Dennis has enlightened you? Probably better. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> What's the n number one tip that you've picked up, the one that you can think has made the biggest difference in your cooking? Um, I would say probably the types of seasonings that they put in things. Yeah, I learned that that day, that, that you don't have to buy a, a, uh, a an already mixed you know, Dennis taught me that, that, you know, your little chili powder, a little uh, paprika. And then, you know, I came home and looked at all these expensive uh, spices, you know, that I bought that were combinations. And I went, wait a minute. <laughs> all they are is a little bit of this and a little bit of that, that, you know, Dennis showed me on the show. Yeah. Do it yourself. Hey, Dennis, you want to pick up on that? Yeah, yeah every, like I said, everybody gets scared. They think, oh, I'm going to need it. It's all simple stuff you can buy right in your grocery store. And why pay the big bucks when you can just make it up yourself for, you know, an inexpensive amount and it's easier, it's healthier, and it's it's a lot of fun. Amy Amy likes to bake. I know. She used to bake some uh, breads, a little bread. She, uh, she had a little uh, bakery she ran, American Made Yummies. She used to bake up some beautiful, all kinds of breads. Ask her about her breads. Yeah, what uh, what happened there? Do you still did you so you actually had a business? You were in the bakery business? Yes. Oh, yeah. great. How'd that go? Was it fun? Um, um it, it it went very well. I had to take a little bit of a hiatus cuz I became ill. But uh -huh. me and my daughter still talk about starting it back up because I do have a lot of people that message me and text me and still want to order. So, you know, we 
go back and forth as mom gets better. We will be back. We tell them. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, you know, I touched on uh, the idea that, you know, emotionally, physically, physiologically, uh, once you start preparing, once you can come into contact with food and bakery, oh my God, I can't, if you're baking in the home, your house must f- smell fantastic all the time. Yeah, it, it's like a duplex. And my neighbor used to say she loved Fridays because I would cook for about 13 hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> and she was my taste tester, actually. So. And I've tried the bread. They're very tasty as well as smelling good. You definitely what, want to try them. Uh, what's your favorite uh, preparation? Was it breads? What, what do you like? To, what, do you, what are you most proud of, Amy? Um, well, I would usually was proud of my cakes, but I think my mini loaves, I was very proud of how much they took off and how much people liked that they were baked fresh on that day and that they were all natural. There was no, you know, chemicals in their bread, so they would buy them on the day I baked them, and I would go out and sell them. Great. Did you have a variety of flours, like oat flour, rye flour, whole wheat, what? Um, mainly I use the, like, the regular uh, unbleached flour. Right. What is the significance of that? I used unbleached, but they don't wash out as many vitamins and minerals. Is that right? Or what? Yes. That's okay. exactly right. And, you know, it's just it's a less chemical thing. And also I didn't ever add salt to anything because I was taught that there is already salt in everything out there, so you don't need to add more to it. Interesting. Well, what about in baking, though? Didn't they always tell you to put salt in to make things, you know, happen baking-wise? No. Um, Taste-wise. My, my grandmother was a no salt. You know, <laughs> it's like she had this motto: "Is you're trying to make it taste sweet? Why would you put anything bitter in it to take weakness away?" So, I basically followed her recipes and adjusted some of them so that they were people's favorites, and that's what I would put in the store was. The favorite ones. Interesting. Okay. Now, no salt. Like I'm a, I, I love pancakes, but it, it always in every pancake recipe it says add salt because it helps make the the you know the the you know the thing rise. No, Is that true? No. If your baking powder is fresh, it's going to rise the same as if mm. you didn't put as you put salt in it. Baking soda, baking powder. I'm sorry, makes you know it's. Fresh, it makes it rise, and you don't need that. And pancakes, actually, the best pancakes there are are buttermilk. And why is that? Pancake, yeah. Um, it's Very fluffy. And they're fluffier. And I made all my breads. If they required milk, it was buttermilk. Interesting. And it makes it moister. Interesting. And milk. She has a blueberry loaf bread that is to die for, Thomas. I'll tell you right now. You travel to get Amy's blueberry loaf bread. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. And uh, is, it, is it an actual bread, or is it, a, is it more of a dessert, or a combination of both? Um, or? Some of them are breads, and then other ones are cakes. Uh-huh. They're like Great. breakfast breakfast. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yep. you now you know what? Always when I think of somebody having a bakery and fresh breads and mini loaves, especially, there's nothing to me that is more fantastic than a hard crust, meaty uh, bread. You know, is there a knack to that? Is that 
a specialty? What? How do you get that? Um, you you learn your oven actually. <laughs> That's the secret to it because every oven is different. Every how can I put it? Um, latitude or longitude, whatever they describe it. Everyone is different. Gas is different. Electric is different. And you well, the type of oven they, makes you, a big you learn your oven, and you learn your temp. Interesting. So you know, again, I love this um, because we're talking about in cooking being an art, isn't it? It's not simply uh, throwing it's things a in a pan. Yeah, I mean, so like the fact that you have to you <laughs> you have to connect with the oven, don't you? Yes, you do. <laughs> You I mean, and that, 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 sounds, that sounds laughable, but it's the actual fact is that, um, you, you know, to me, again, I somehow, as we talk about choices versus non-choice and destiny, you know, I've been led down a spiritual path, and I found that that helps me get through life during the tough times. And you start to see, you become conscious of things, that the more aware you are, the more uh, awake you are, and the more you understand that everything has its place, like you're, I mean, it's like, to me, it's like an artist talking about his guitar or somebody talking about their paintbrush, right? Yeah. Well, a lot of cooks say, you know, you, well, you got knives. The knives are just an extension of my hand. They're not even really a tool I use. They're an extension of yourself, yeah. Yep, just yeah. like your mixer and your whisk. And I have a particular scraper that I have to have clean and I have to use that particular one and my daughters think that it's like mom really it's the way it mixes things and it does it properly and it's the only one I'll use so it's well, you know like somebody is. laughed at me I'm very um you know I, I love this because food is is certainly being Italian and everything else and I mean what's better than food I mean comedy's great music is great sex is fantastic uh <laughs> wine is great <laughs> <laughs> but when you, everybody you know, on the planet has in common. Everybody has to eat. That's the one universal well, thing. Well, and, and when you think of it, I mean, we're getting it kind of esoteric, but this is really fun. I hope you guys are enjoying it and our listeners are. I mean, let's talk about all of the things I mentioned, from all the way from food and wine and uh, sex. I mean, a lot of it starts, right? I mean, even the process, if you want to end up in bed, starts with dinner. <laughs> sometimes, you know. Well, I mean, it used to be that way. You invited a woman out to dinner, or you had her over the house for dinner, because that was the beginning of the whole ritual. I mean, because there are rituals. Stuff. There's nothing better. Remember that pizza, sex, and stuff. Boom. <laughs> talking about the utensils and the and, and everything else and that they matter that you're right i mean you can i used to buy uh, being brought up cheap and you know growing up poor and you know being influenced by that so you you buy the cheap knives oh and then all of a sudden, you know your income level comes up and then you yeah. go you go into a, a yeah, really nice wow then you put a nice knife in you, and it's $75 for one knife, but you put it in your hand, and now let's talk about cost again. You know, I've had these knives for 20, 30 years. So what is that over Yeah, how many life ones would you buy in that time over one that'll last forever, right? Oh, and, 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 and the, like you were just saying, Amy, the feel of the knife in your hand. Yeah, yeah well, so a lot of people... I basically think it's oh. what you put into them. If you get, if you get a 
rotten knife or a rotten scraper, then it's not going to taste the same. <laughs> exactly. I'm a pampered chef addict as far as their cookware. I buy Pamp- everything oh. in the catalog because it makes the stuff mix better, which means if it mixes better, it tastes better. Yeah, One of the things that cracks me up on the show, too, is I'll pull out a piece of beef and I'll tell a guest, all right, grab a knife and cut it. And they're trying to cut it like a hacksaw. They're using their arm power. I'm like, don't use your arm to let the knife do the work. The knife that everybody tries to, like, do the work themselves. Like, you don't do the work. The knife does the work. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, again, you know, I mean, going to, I'm a big believer now that, to really, really enjoy life. I mean, my life could have been cut short at the age of 13. I had a disease or a type of cancer that if 100 kids got it, 95 died. So I am blessed, and I know it every single day. You were meant to be here, Tom. I was meant to be here. We were meant to do this show, and this is really fun. I I mean, I I had no idea what this was doing, but this is one of the most exciting shows that's ever happened because – it you know we're not just talking about food we're talking about society we're talking about uh, the individual we're talking about creativity and you're talking my big thing lately is for people to get out of their heads to get out of analyzing and thinking and connect with the, their hearts and their guts and their body and I mean what that's what you guys that's the art of what you do and you're talking about that now you're talking about connecting not only to the food but to the to the utensils that help you that that are your part of your your craft. The, the only yeah. thing better than eating food, Tom, is talking about food. If you can't eat food, then you talk about food until you can't eat food. That's how you do it, right there. But yeah, it's super a yum. <laughs> now, Amy, let yeah. me ask you this: If you're a, you're a mother and uh, you you're a chef or a, a baker. And so, what about you? Do you do you try to have a, a a meal every day with your family? Yep, for my the one I have left. My other three have grown up, moved out, but with my daughter Cassandra, yes. And it used to be that you know we try to get together once a week with the older children, but of course, they're in their thirties now, in their late twenties. So. Yeah, yeah. Which well, what about now when they were cook- Cassandra? When they mm-hmm. were growing up, what did you uh, did you make sure that that happened? You know that you sat down with them. Oh yes, and okay, they, good. they talk about it all the time. Not only just them, but every kid that they brought from the neighborhood with them. Isn't that sad that you know these other kids would come into that situation and think it was like a holiday <laughs> or a wow, look at that. Wow, <laughs> family. <laughs> A family sitting together, you know. Uh, all right, now let me, I, I've got a problem. So I'm, I'm going to let you guys be the host for a second. I'm the caller. And so I, I have a problem. And it's funny how people reacted to my problem. Again, being Italian, again, finding that some of the greatest experiences in my life started with food and around food, uh, et cetera. And so I treat the table as sacred. Now, from what I've heard from from you guys, is you treat a lot of the things. You treat your oven as sacred. You treat your, your whisk. You treat your knives. Because they do take on a certain sacredness, in a sense. And even your preparation table, I can only imagine if we get into that, before you prepare, you, your your table or your must, must be set in a certain way. So, lately, I had... Uh, 
and it wasn't just lately, but it happened many times. <laughs> you, when I do invite people to the table, especially the younger people, they'll bring a, a the table will be set with nice china, nice silverware, um, maybe a wine glass, some nice wine on the table, some table. Uh, I like cloth uh, uh, napkins as opposed to paper, uh, and then somebody will pl- place down a half a, empty, half full, whatever crinkled water bottle, plastic water bottle. And I get upset. (laughs) 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 Yeah, because it now has destroyed the aesthetics of the table. You've cheapened it. Exactly. Thank Mm. you. Yes. Am I wrong? Am I wrong for getting tweaked on this? Well, no. What you need to do is make sure you have a glass there for them. Interesting. Well, I do, but you see, what happens is they look at me with this bizarre look, like, "What's your problem?" <laughs> you gotta do dishes later, Tom. Why would you? You can just throw a plastic bottle away. <laughs> exactly. One, per, one person proposed we could skip all this and use paper plates. Yeah. And well, and, and here's here's I think what triggered it. I have a real affinity for certain forks and knives in my silverware drawer. And the person looked at me. I said, no, 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 I want that fork. And people looked at me like, it's just a fork. But it's not just a fork. It's not just a whisk. It's not just a knife, is it? No. <laughs> oh, it's a part of what you do. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's your tool of the trade. Yes, Yeah. exactly. Maybe the thing maybe they're starting to find with plastic, too. They're starting to find chemicals. They're starting to get out of the plastic and into the water and into the food that you're eating. If you leave them in, if you have a bottle of water and leave it in your car, the heat will actually, you yep. know, make some of the chemicals go in the water. Then you're drinking those chemicals. Yep, exactly. You know, it's and they're finding out that, um, you know, that the, 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 there's, no, there's no real benefit to the uh, bottled water in terms of san- sanitation or even... Whatever, because it's 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 not as healthy as even drinking it out of the tap. And one of the things I've learned about out of the tap is, I pour it into a, a, a large bottle and I let it sit for two or three days before I use it, because then a lot of the chemicals escape, uh, the gases right. and things, and it becomes. You can a, boil it too. Boil it. Yeah, yeah. Boil it. Yeah. So uh, so maybe we should get together and write a book about. Um, the 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 the, the uh, uh, esoteric the aesthetic properties the the mind the mind <laughs> spirit and body transformations that happen all around food I mean, because it sounds like we're on the same track here oh, yeah, yeah it's more just eating yeah it's, uh, it's an if experience. I were you gentlemen I am on the road so you are <laughs> what, so you what don't is know that you, you, I missed Go ahead. If I lose you, gentlemen, I'm on oh, the road. I, so I oh, don't I want you to think that I would be rude enough to hang up. Oh, okay. I would not okay. Oh, okay. Well, Amy, are you having fun? Yes, I am. That's yeah, what well, counts. Well, you added so much to the show when we were uh, we were doing okay, but this is really the whole baking component and the fact about the oven and the s- smells and that you learn you know, uh, that you really become, you have to become, you know, again, without getting too too esoteric, but you have to become one with the stove. I mean, that's what all the great masters talk about. You have to become one with the knife, one with the, I mean, am I, am I being wacky again, or do you guys 
feel that. If you give me an Amy, no. together, you have some Kung Pao chicken and a bread loaf for dessert, okay? That's that's the meal you're going to get from us two together right there. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's but it is a, it is a, a holistic approach, isn't it? If you're going to do it right. Yes. You put sure, your heart into you put your heart into everything. There you go. There's the word. You don't put your head in. I'd look, look forward to making the the best kung pao chicken I could make for Amy to taste, and she'd look forward to making the best blueberry bread loaf for me to taste. You you want to impress each other. It's a competition, you know. You know, you want to you really want to make the other one enjoy your food. And you call, my daughters and, uh, always say that my stuff tastes so great because I make it with love. And whoa! That's God. the word I was looking for. That's Made the word. <laughs> you know, I give. Uh, I do a, because of my situation. I do a lot of uh, inspirational speaking. One of the greatest stories I had is that, and this will really. This is. I didn't plan on doing this, but th- this is just great. I. Being on the road and being subject to the fast food because of necessity when I was in sales, I mean, I just couldn't, you know, didn't have the opportunity. And um, I went one day and I found out, I learned about a simple thing as a sandwich. I went into, uh, um, <laughs> it's a chain, I won't say the name of it, but it begins with a D and it ends with an OS and there's Angel in between. <laughs> so I go in one of my... My favorite sandwich in the world is tuna with uh, lettuce, tomato, onions, and pickles, and um, whatever. So uh, their pockets—I was on their pockets well because they—they they seemed to mix the tuna well. It was just the right combination of them. Anyway, I go in and I. This is cold, raw March day. One of those days where you're waiting for winter to break, but it's not, and it's just miserable. And so I want my sandwich, and I go in and I order it, and I get to the car and I open up the sandwich. And this pocket, and I look inside, and it's there's no mayonnaise in there's no mayonnaise in the tuna. There's uh, there's an, an overabundance of onions, and the lettuce is brown, and no tomatoes. And I oh, looked gee. at this, and I, and I said to myself, "This is not a tuna sandwich. This is a hate sandwich. Whoever made this sandwich hated making this sandwich." And I'm about to hate eating it. And I always ask audiences, would you take it back? And 90% of the people say no. Because, first of all, the person who made it is miserable. Now I'm going to tell them they made a lousy sandwich. What are they going to do to it when they get it out of my sight? (laughs) Yeah, fast food, you get a lot of young kids looking for a paycheck. They don't care about what they're doing. They don't have the passion for it. And that same place you're talking about going, I once went and the girl was so confused that I wanted a tuna sub and... I told her I wanted, you know, lettuce, pickle, whatever on it. She was so confused, and she's like, well, tell me what you want on it. So I told her the vegetables. Then I got it, and she didn't put no tuna on it because I didn't say tuna. I'm like, well, I got to tell you I want tuna on a sandwich. I think that would be obvious, but they they don't care about food. And then I learned what an indifferent sandwich is. An indifferent sandwich is those when you go into – you know, uh, a gas station, and you go in inside, and there's the deli, and there's those uh, those triangle sandwich. You know, the two halves that have been cut in an angle, and they're right, sitting yeah. there. There's no shelf life on them because they whatever. There's so many. But, but there's indifference there. I mean, the person who made them didn't care, and the person who eats them doesn't care. It just fills a hole. Yeah. And then one day I was working up at the hotel Balsams at the Balsams way up north, and I found that if once you crossed a certain longitude, food went to hell. 
Um, you know, if you went into a, a sub shop or something and asked for uh, an Italian uh, cold, you know, Italian sandwich, <laughs> you got bologna and ham and some American cheese. <laughs> Throw it on a bread the, and call it a sandwich, right? Yeah, they don't. They and you'd say, well, don't you have mozzarella? And they'd look at like you just, you know, used an epithet or swore at them. Anyway, I pulled into a place famished, and I said, oh, here we go, little roadside. The place was literally was at an angle. It was it was falling down, and I said, good luck. So I immediately went to the um, to the refrigerator to find one of those indifferent sandwiches. And the guy, I hear this, what you're looking for? I said, I'm looking for a sandwich. He goes, we do those upstairs. So I go upstairs, and there's this little gal sitting in this you know, empty little kitchen with the paint peeling off the walls. There's dust on the floor. She's sitting in one of those red um, metal chairs with a stuffing coming out of it. And I said, oh, boy, this is going to be brutal. And she immediately jumps up and says, well, how can I help you? And I, I'm looking at this enthusiasm saying, wow, this kid's a little, uh, little more uh, hip than what you usually find. I said, so I said, yeah, I'd like a tuna sandwich, because I didn't even know if I'd get tuna. Once you get past Tilton, New Hampshire, tuna becomes rare. <laughs> okay. And she said, sure. She goes into this old refrigerator that my mother and grandmother had, a regular refrigerator, and she takes yeah. out a tin, and she starts mixing up the tuna with enthusiasm. And I'm like, wow, this is interesting. And she looks at me, she says, what kind of bread would you like? I said, whole wheat? She goes, sure. Goes over, she gets the bread, puts it in the toaster. Now she goes back to the refrigerator, gets a head of lettuce, starts washing, takes off the, the leaves and washes them individually and pats them down with a paper towel. Now uh -huh. I feel like, yeah, not right? Now I feel like I'm back Take home. Take pride in what she's doing. You don't see that often. Exactly. And it's so... She then reaches over, it was about this time of year, she goes into a basket from the farm, and she pulls out a beautiful tomato. And she puts it on the counter in front of me and starts slicing it. And I'm watching the seeds and the juice pour out onto the plate that she's cutting this on, the board. And then she does the same thing with the fresh onion. Puts those on the sandwich. Well, the toast comes out. She lays the tuna, she lays the lettuce down, the tuna down, the tomato and the onion takes the other piece of toast out, looks at me, and says, would you like a little extra mayonnaise? <laughs> Dennis, I almost fell over. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, first of all, I'm watching this. Yeah, I'm watching this like it's, a, like it's a floor show, like I'm getting an exotic dancer who's skilled in yeah. the art. You know, not only getting a sandwich, I'm getting a show, a performance. I mean, this is as good as any great stand. And and she, put, yeah, she, yeah, she put extra mayonnaise on, and then she wrapped it in tinfoil. So when I got it, it was actually it had to be six inches high, the sandwich at least, and warm to the touch. I forget what the cost, but I know I tipped her just as much, and it took me an hour. Well, the point is, it's twenty years later. I'm still talking about that sandwich. And I call that sandwich not a hate sandwich, not an indifferent sandwich, but that's a love sandwich. They made it with love. There you go. Just like mom would make it for you, right? Exactly. I ask people all the time, I say, what's the best sandwich you ever had? And they say, peanut butter and jelly. And I say, who made it? They go, my mother. And why was it the best? Because there was love in it.
Made it with love. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, if so one. folks, you know, I had a roommate recently in her 20s, and she told me she only eats organic. Well, yeah, she'd come in with uh, Whole Foods with frozen lasagna. She would take it out of the freezer, turn around, throw it into the microwave, nuke it for eight minutes. <laughs> Not even take it out of the, the little cardboard sleeve. And they, they, don't know, they don't know how easy it is to cook. That's why they do that. They don't realize yeah, how and, easy and, it is. And, and she sits down with her iPad, her cell phone, and her computer, doesn't look at the food. She shovels it into her mouth and then comp- plays with the computers till it's gone, throws the container away, and goes into her room. That's, that is an evening dinner for a bulk of the population in the United States. And if they eat a fresh dish, they consider it such a treat. They're like, oh, you made that. That's such a treat. I wish I could come again and sometime and have you cook it for me again. I say, well, you could cook it yourself. You know, it's something you could do. It's exactly. easy. Exactly, and if you put, you put a little love in it, oh, my goodness, does it does it taste. Dennis, this was fun, fun, fun. We did uh, an hour and 13 minutes. I know you got to get to I- work. Great time. I do have to get to work and make some food with love for other people to eat, so hopefully they'll come visit me. Let's do it again and get Amy on, and we'll uh, get all the components of baking and cooking and and family and dinner and meals, and maybe we'll make a difference. Hopefully hopefully we get some people cooking out there, Tom, and loving food like we do. Great job, man. Fun, fun, fun. And that's it, folks. Thank you, Tom. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.